Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour. This is Kudzu Radio Hour number 156, recorded on Saturday, July 24th, 2021. The program, as always, is brought to you by the fine folks at Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Did I say family farms? That's right. Support family farms. Get more information or order online at springermountain.com. Springermtn.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, it also tastes really great. Uh, the program is also brought to you by that little old band from LA called the Box Masters. Just started their tour. Oh, how exciting. They didn't get to go on tour last summer because of COVID. So they're out there now promoting their latest album, Light Rays. It's a great album. I suggest that you uh, purchase it on vinyl or CD or download. All that and more is available at theboxmasters.com. Theboxmasters.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram, too, man. It's really great. I hope you've seen the latest issue of Kudzu Magazine, number 42. Uh, it, yeah, <laughs> it had quite an ordeal being birthed uh, while all the stuff was going on in my life, but we got it out. It features a uh, really cool interview, a cover story. With piano player Chuck Lavelle, former member of the Allman Brothers and longtime touring keyboardist for the Rolling Stones. A new conversation with Charlie Starr of Blackberry Smoke is also in there talking about their great new album, Touring, and the return of, return of live music. An interview with Jerry Grillo about his excellent book on Colonel Bruce Hampton. A remembrance of the late, great Jim Steinman. Tons of reviews of CDs, DVDs, books, columns from a lecture, the health chick, Anthony Richardson, uh, also known as Big A, and the unexplainable uh, Bill Eli column. All that and more, all absolutely free. Hope you check it out. So anyway, we're going to uh, start the program out. Uh, uh, we're going to start the program out with the uh, going back a few years. I remember this band when I was in college, XTC. And this is Making Plans for Nigel. That's right, baby. We'll be right back with a whole gang right after this song. We only 
happy. He must be happy in his world. good way to kick off the program i haven't heard that in quite a while and i just pulled it out of my collection xtc <laughs> xtc making plans for nigel how, uh, how, you, how long has it been since you heard that buff i i don't know you know i've got thousands on my hard drive and i just happened across it and i, I probably hadn't heard it in 10 years yeah i like man i like it. usually that happens to me right before i fall asleep i'll be about to fall asleep and then i'll think 
Damn, I remember yeah. a song about that band. Ah, oh, hell, I got to get up and look it up. <laughs> I've done that too. That's that's really weird. That's, that's, no wonder we don't get too much sleep. I mean, you know. Uh, all right, folks, listeners, thank you for tuning in again. And I want to say that uh, give a big, big welcome to uh, the three guys that I do the podcast with. We're all uh, we're all uh, crazy. No. We're all bozos on this bus. No, that's Fireside Theater. We're all uh, musicians and writers and all that stuff that don't pay. And, freak, and freaks and weirdos. Yeah, exactly. So uh, up in Massachusetts, we've got Billy Eli, singer-songwriter. Oh, yeah, hello. Man. And uh, he's, he's, he's a pretty cool cat. And in Austin, Texas, we've got the other two guys. Uh a really good engineer, producer, guitar player, uh, great at everything, Jim Hemphill. Hey, y'all. And, uh, and also we've got the uh, well-known journalist, author, uh, musician. Guy, guy that pisses me off by knowing guy that pisses way Billy more off. than it, that, yeah, that, by knowing way more than anybody because, ought to but, know about anything. Well, he does. That's why we all, lots of times we save Pat for last book. Because he knows. He knows. Pat knows. In fact, I want a T-shirt that says Patrick knows. Uh, Not N-O-S-C, but uh, hey, you know. uh, me, It's Patrick Beach, add, y'all, right here. Howdy, boys. Center let me, Square. Let me, just, let me just add, before we move along on what you just said, today's uh, – Today's topic. It, it was really difficult. I and you I thought, did, and you came up I, with and, it, and I did. But let me just say, I did it because I wanted to see the kind of list Patrick would put together. I didn't. I didn't even make a list. I got two. I got. I, I, got, the, I got the two that I initially had. I don't know if you'll be encouraged or disappointed, but I don't have a list. I have a monologue. <laughs> oh okay, boy! Well. Uh, Can't now, wait. Now, now, uh, uh, don't know whether you'll be, you know, what, the one thing that I'm not, I'm not surprised. So. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get underway, I want to read something Colleen sent me. It's from the uh, Sumter, South Carolina newspaper dated November 13th, 1926. 1926. Okay, let's see if I can read this right. If any farmers are interested in the kudzu vine, which is discussed as a forage crop by the Columbia State in its editorial correspondence from Hartsville, they can see it growing on Mr. M. H. Beck's farm just beyond Hokala. There has been a luxuriant growth <laughs> of it alongside the highway for several years. If this vine makes good hay and could be harvested economically, the forage problem has been solved for this section. Boy, they had no idea what was that. What was that? They, didn't, they didn't really think that went all the way through. No, it's like unintended they, consequences. Uh, yeah, that's yes. right. That's right. Uh, also, I'm going to go ahead and read our devotional. Um, every week, I'd like to pick something from, and it's all because of from our Matt Bible, Jim. The Rolling Stones alt rockorama book is uh, it's really fun. <coughs> and I just basically opened it up and I said, "Okay, the first list." I say I'm going to do it. So it's actually two top ten lists, and they're from a band 
in San Francisco, a trio called Swell. I've never heard them, but uh, I would like to. Okay, this is Swell's top 10 reasons to go on tour. To go on tour. Number one, catch up on reading. Number two, discover new types of cheese. <laughs> I like that one. Number three, see interesting parts of the world like Wyoming. Number four, collect hotel keys. Number five, see how many days you can wear the same socks, Billy. Right. Number six, learn how to play the songs on your record. No, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that one's actually really kind of true. It is true. very true. Number seven, because someone makes you do it. Yeah, that one's, eight, that one's true, too. <laughs> number eight, sleep deprivation makes you very creative. That's true, too. True. true. Uh, that's what I get really great is when I'm about to fall out. Number nine, loading the equipment is good exercise. Not <clears> true. <throat> Not uh, true. And bullshit. Number 10, you don't have to make your bed for months. Okay, Swell's top 10 reasons for not going on tour. Yay. I like this one. Number one, too many names to remember. <laughs> Number two, it's too far. It's yeah. too far. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, do you really want to know the other guys that well? I like his number four, it smells. Mm -hmm. And most most people on tour do. Number five, see interesting parts of the world like Wyoming. Number six, driving driving intoxicated is illegal in all 50 states now. Fuckers. Now. <laughs> now, number seven gas station food yep that's true yeah. number uh eight the equipment is too heavy all subs burritos baby well that's all that's all getting easier now with the the new uh sound systems and amps uh number nine truck stop bathrooms while they are full of truckers after breakfast that's the truth you don't that's a good reason not to tour. Truck stop bathrooms in general. Number 10, no one's ever heard of you anyway. Hey. Yeah. I got I, I got I gotta add one to their top 10 of reasons yeah. to tour. And this actually happened to me. Uh my lease was up and I did not have the money to renew it, and it was easier to go on on tour for three weeks oh wow it was it was easier it was easier to go on tour for three weeks than it was to find an apartment all right so, for, high, for high fidelity today i just want you guys to uh just name one <laughs> keep it so okay. it's a uh, one song about motorcycles or bicycles jim 1952 Vincent Black Lightning by Ooh, yes. Yeah. Fucker. Yeah. yeah. Fucker. <laughs> Who did you I say? I got to that? go first. That Fucker. <laughs> Who did you say was performing that? Richard Thompson, the original yeah. version. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I've got a version of uh, Del McCurry band. It's a bluegrass version. It's really cool. Del McCurry did a great version of it, and there's a there's a a, a band a female three female great female singers called red molly who actually named themselves after the song right. who do a great yeah do a great cover of that as well yeah yeah well all right uh billy no i'm not ready yet jim killed mine you're not ready 
All right, Patrick. Does Born to Wee Wild count? Yes, it does. That's about motorcycles. Great choice. All Great right, choice. Now, Billy, that was, that was fast. You don't. Yeah. yeah. That fucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know what you're well, thinking. Not, uh, maybe. You're thinking about Queen, right? No, I'm thinking about Bad Out of Hill by Meatloaf. It's got the. Oh, that's ah. about the about the black and about riding the uh, what black and red phantom bike. Isn't that the, yeah, that's the, one of my favorite things. Yeah, man. I'm gonna go not, with that. Not riding the song because because the only because the only other thing I could think of was that horrible song by that folk singer Melanie about that them goddamn roller skates. Oh no! And the bicycle <laughs> and. And I and as soon as you said it, I thought fifty-two uh, black lightning in the fucking jail. <laughs> I got to tell a little story about that song. I first uh, heard that. Which, I which, first, which one? Because we 19, just mentioned four. Nineteen fifty-two. I think he probably lightning. he probably means the brand new key by Melanie. Yeah, the right? the, the rollers came. <laughs> first first time I ever heard nineteen fifty-two Vincent Black Lightning. It hadn't been recorded yet, and Richard Thompson played solo acoustic in this little club in Ames, Iowa called The Maintenance Shop. And I was sitting at 130 seat club, tiny, great, great show. But uh, he had not yet recorded or released 1952 Vincent Black Lightning. And I was sitting at a table of three uh, women, friends of mine, and he, he played this and none of us obviously had heard it before. And at the end of the song, everybody at the table was just like weeping. <laughs> it was just, right. it was right. a beautiful, beautiful artistic moment. And, and yeah. plus, when he plays that on his guitar, he sounds like five people. I know. I, I hadn't I hadn't quite figured out how he does that. It's like his hand leaves his arm. <laughs> I bought a guitar. I bought a guitar lesson from Richard Thompson where he tries to show you how to play it. <laughs> and I and I couldn't even get that right. right. I'm, I'm watching the guy who wrote it trying to show me how to play it, but I'm too stupid to play it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. My, for mine, I actually had three, just in case somebody named one of them. The first one uh, has been named Born to be Wild. And I thought somebody was going to say Queen Bicycle Face <laughs> that goes for Fat Bottom Girls. But the uh, my pick is an obscure kind of 1972 record by a band called Sailcat called Motorcycle Mama. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see the world through my Harley. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the guy that sang that and and all John Wiker got to be really close friends with me for years and he just died about I guess 3 years ago, but that was his only claim. No, he had two claims to fame. That song and he wrote Baby Ruth that Delbert McClinton had a hit with. Mm, mm. But uh yeah, it was uh, Wiker was an individual. I mean, oh god, I mean eclectic, artistic. He made Colonel Blue Spruce Hampton looked like a normal guy. Uh, it was, so uh, anyway, moving right along, uh, I'm going to do my recommendations first, and then y'all go on autopilot for a few minutes. Got uh, it, man. All right, let's see. Where's my, uh, find my, uh, be prepared for my mute. Okay. Uh, I've got two binges. I've actually even got more, but one thing I decided to do was I guess this is probably the third time I've done it in years, but I'm binging Breaking Bad again, and I'm up to the third season. And I, I see every time I watch it, I see things I didn't catch before, and I see actors like Danny Trejo and 
uh, who's that guy we met at Phoenix Comic Con? John Delancey. All these different actors that were on there I didn't even notice before. Um, but yeah, it's really good. And my, uh, that's good. But my number one is a podcast. And you can hear it on Apple Podcast. And it's also on my hat. <laughs> it's called Talking Sopranos. Uh, it's uh, Michael Imperioli, who played Christopher on The Sopranos, and Steve Shripa, who played Bobby. They've recorded 69 episodes that are archived. Uh, they have a guest each week, either an actor from The Sopranos show, a writer or director, and they talk about the program. Well, they do the interview for 20 or 30 minutes, and then they do 20 or 30 minutes uh, picking one episode to go deep into detail on it. And for anybody who liked The Sopranos as much as I did, it's really fun. It really is. So uh, without further ado, um, who wants to go next? And then some y'all can autopilot it. Um, Make Patrick go. Okay. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. Um, well, I, last, last week, my recommendation, or at least one of my recommendations last week, was uh, Jeff Tweedy's book, How to Write One Song. Reading that kind of sent me on a, a vintage Wilco kick, vintage by which I mean back when Wilco was good. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things in his book that he talks about in his creative process is he's a big fan of long walks and uh, he'll record like lyrical ideas or a riff or something like that. But also ambiance sounds on his walks like a bird song or a, an elevated train in Chicago. And you hear that in, in some of their work. Just yesterday, I was listening to uh, Being There Again, and there's, there's noise on that record that predates the record that almost killed the band and wound up breaking them. And there's a documentary film about the making of a Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Uh, called I'm Trying to Break Your Heart by Sam Jones. His one and I think only film, or at least it was his, his first film at the time, shot in black and white. And it's about Wilco going back into the studio to make their fourth album. Each, each album before this was getting them more success and, and more acclaim and bigger crowds. And then they start turning in the finished tracks to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot to reprise one at a time and they hate each one <laughs> more than the last yeah right. they just despise it they said we're not going to put it out and we're going to drop you and you owe us our $85,000 advance back so it just about killed the band and it did drive out uh Jay Bennett the keyboard player and guitar player with the band who was in a sense, almost like the Bob, Bob Stinson of Wilco, because they were never quite the same after he got to sack for reasons justified or not. But anyway, the, the film I'm Trying to Break Your Heart is yet another shining example of a documentarian being in the right place at the right time, because you see the creative process. You see Jay Bennett and, and, uh, and Tweety having these very polite, white people arguments about how the mix should be and then he's out of the band and of course the end of the story and if you don't know the end of the story it's your own damn fault because it's been 21 years since this happened the end of the story is they took the record 
to Nonsuch, which was another subsidiary of the Warner Media Empire, and they sold it to Nonsuch for four hundred thousand dollars, and that's what made them a, a huge indie band, maybe the hugest indie band in the world at least at the time. So that's my recommendation. Now you boys go ahead. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's it's it's a good movie. I mean, Jay Bennett and uh, Jeff Tweedy were both, to my mind both kind of insufferable and yeah. you could you couldn't have two insufferable people in the same right. band and since it was uh jeff tweedy's band then bennett had to go i mean it's too bad uh, bennett ended up committing suicide right uh after what you know a few years after the film was right. made so that's right. not that's that's a that's an epilogue that's not in the movie which is too bad because they they were a really good live band when Bennett was in the band. Yeah, they sure and then were. And then I saw them shortly after Bennett left the band and they were terrible. And that's when I said, I'm done with Wilco. And then a few, couple, three years Nels later, Klein. They're, pl they're, yeah. they're playing at ACL Fest. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'll check them out. And all of a sudden it's this big band with Nels Klein on lead guitar. And I'm like, holy geez. So Wilco's records are, you know, uh, not exciting, not awful, not great. But see him live because if you're a fan of great guitar playing, see, see Nels Klein live. I really don't have a recommendation other than the other night my wife and I were tooling around YouTube uh, just to see what was on. And we came across a couple of like hour or 45 minute blocks of vintage MTV, including commercials from like <laughs> 1981, 1982. And it was nice. a hoot to watch it. And there were there were there were videos that I must have seen at some point, but I had completely forgotten some by artists that I never that I don't remember. There's a some band called Taxi with two X's. Don't remember them at all, but they were apparently in the playlist. There was some song called Susie's on the Up, and I'm like, what the hell is this? But I must have seen it back in the day. So uh, a really terrible Kim Carnes video that shot you know, at night on a city street that's with a rain slick city street. And all of a sudden a horse appears out of nowhere. I'm like, what the hell is the horse? <laughs> it's just weirder than hell to see those old videos. But anyway, you know, spin around YouTube. If you're, if you're of, of our vintage and you remember uh, watching uh, MTV back in the day, you know, you can remember the good stuff, but the bad stuff and the cheesy ads, sometimes it's hard to remember. So, so I was, uh, I was check gonna that out. Ask, I was going to ask which, uh, which uh, ever which commercials jumped out at you? There was a there was a commercial for uh, I think it was a, some Yamaha synthesizer or something like that. Musical instrument commercials. There was a there was a Creedence Clearwater Revival greatest hits you know mail order album advertised, which was in really life, weird. no doubt. <clears throat> yeah, it was just uh, it was uh, it was you know. Uh, and the commercials were long. You know, they had 60-second right, commercials. Right, right. Yeah. Today look really freaking long to see a 60-second commercial because no commercials are 60 seconds anymore. And it's weird whenever I think of that, you know, that sort of that, that particular era in, in MTV, you know, uh, 80, 82 to 85. I, I remember it was like Pepsi products ruled their their. It, it, yeah, it was Pepsi free and the Pepsi with the lemon twist and Pepsi Zero and Clear. Remember Clear Pepsi? Pepsi Clear, yeah. And, yeah. and they had, and there was a really long Mountain Dew commercial. 
that and all the different kinds of bubble gum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of, one of these, one of these MTV things had a really long Mountain Dew commercial that was. Uh, it sounds like you and Sarah are terribly, terribly bored with each other. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, it was cool. It was cool. It was fun. There's not anything boring about that. Because because we were dialing up, you know, video, also dialing up videos that we remembered and wanted to see again, but we, these kind of popped up in the suggestion. So we watched them and it was fun. <clears throat> All right. Well, I, I actually have a recommendation and that's sort of a last minute thing because I was bored yesterday. Well, last night about eight o'clock, it's too early to go to sleep. And I didn't feel like doing anything else. And I thought, ah, oh, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll, pull up Amazon Prime and poke around and see if I find something. And I'm in the mood for a cheesy Western. So on, uh, on Amazon Prime, you know, I mean, you got all that old classic stuff with Gene Autry and Cisco Kid and all. And I'm scrolling through there and, you know, I mean, they're kind of fun to watch, but they don't really hold your attention. I usually have one of those playing if I'm doing two other things at a time. And I stumbled across this, uh, I stumbled across this movie that was a remake of a uh, John Wayne movie uh, uh, that was made in 1935 uh, called The Dawn Rider. And this and this was remade in uh, 2012 with uh, Christian Slater and Donald Sutherland. And I was like, never even heard of this movie. Uh, and, I, you know, based on some earlier thing. And I thought, all right, so it's going to be, you know, your standard, the good guys wear wet, white hats and the bad, bad guys wear black hats. And it's, it, you know, the good and the evil and all that stuff. And I'm it's kind of a, a short movie, you know, hour and 40 minutes. And I was like, yeah, okay. What the hell, man? I, so I, I started watching it and it was, uh, it was really good. First of all, it had some of the elements of all that, uh, all those, uh, revisionist westerns that I really liked from the 60s and the 70s of uh, the, the stuff that you know starred Warren Oates and uh Billy Greenbush and, and guys like uh Luke uh Luke Askew and, and guys like that uh they're kind of like easy rider on horseback you know but uh, mm. it was uh the, you know the story's not the story not terribly complex it, it is kind of a good and evil thing but it's not that clear cut and i have to say man the i didn't know any of the actors in there except uh donald sutherland and and uh chris and slater uh, acting was really good and man the movie was just gorgeous to look at and they got the costumes right man nobody nobody looks like a rhinestone cowboy they're dressed about like what you would expect and it was it was you know, for a Western movie, it was it was a lot more realistic than even fairly realistic type of Western movies, you know. And and uh, it was a cool thing I liked them during the shootouts. They would shoot people and they wouldn't actually die. They'd shoot them and they'd sit there and spit blood. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, I'm pretty sure how it happened. You know, I, I'm not a believer in that, the antiseptic bullet wound kind of thing. But, uh it's called Dawn Rider, and it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon, and if you got an hour and forty minutes, and you you like, you know, revisionist westerns, man, check it out. Cool. All right. Excellent. Well, is that cool. has everybody done it yet? Everybody went. Okay. Yep. Good. 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 All right. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and move into the uh, 
main topic um, that Billy came up with, of course. Uh, it was a heck of a hard one, uh, but I don't know how to phrase it. I guess musicians who are also talented in another field. Well, not, well, what about that are talented? It's musicians that have other jobs that are not the kind of things that you would expect. Day jobs or whatever. Well, they, yeah, it's just that, that have, I don't even know if it has to be a job, but they have some other discipline that they pursue. That's not anything you would expect. Oh, I thought it was talent. Well, you, 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 yours can be that. <laughs> make, uh, make Jim go first and then make Patrick go. <laughs> oh, okay. I wonder how, wonder why. Um, all right, Jim, you want to go at it? All right. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's musicians who've stopped playing music and have gone on to do pretty cool things. One of the first I thought of is Jackie Fuchs who as Jackie Fox was the runaways bass player, she ended up going to Harvard Law School and becoming a champion on the TV game show Jeopardy. That's right. Which I, which I thought was interesting. But I tried to look for folks that had very uh, strange other careers that sometimes did that in parallel with music. Right. Like I Ian Anderson of, of uh, uh, Damn Jethro it. Tull. Damn it. Uh, Damn it. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave that one for Billy. No, so go I've, ahead. No, go ahead. No, I don't have much other than the fact that apparently he was a big time salmon farmer yeah, and owned a bunch yep. of salmon farms. <laughs> yep. While still while still playing in uh, in uh, Jethro Tull. Tull. Yeah. yeah. That, is yeah, that why? Was... Is that why he does that awesome uh, flamingo impression? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so so I've got a I've got a list of three and there it's a theme. It's okay. uh, lead singers of California punk rock bands. Okay. Okay. The first is Dr. Brian Keith Holland, possibly better known to music fans as Dexter Holland, the lead mm -hmm. singer of The Offspring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Graduated valedictorian from, uh, from his high school in Garden Grove, uh, got a uh, bachelor's and master's in molecular biology from USC right. was working on his doctorate in molecular biology when the offspring took off. So he decided to go do music for a while. <laughs> then he went, then, then he went back to USC. Uh, he published a paper uh, regarding micro RNA in HIV genomes. Um, he, uh, and then he, ended up earning his PhD uh, in molecular biology from the University of Southern California in 2017. The so moral of the story being you can be whip smart and still be willing to be in a crappy band. That does, that does intentionally stupid songs like Pretty Fly for a White Guy. <laughs> so, uh, so I think if anyone who's seen any Offspring video would look at that and say that dude has a PhD in molecular biology, but indeed he does. I see where this is going, and I know exactly the next band you're going to mention. The next, the next is Dr. Greg Graffin, lead uh -huh. singer of Bad Religion. <laughs> ding 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 ding. So Greg Graffin uh, uh, got a. Uh, two bachelor's degrees from UCLA in biology and geology, then a master's in geology from UCLA, and he had a PhD in zoology from Cornell in Ithaca, New York. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, 
to, so he is the fourth musician I know who has a PhD from Cornell. Uh, the other three being in a band called Shannon's Dress back in the eighties and nineties. And I and I know some of them. <laughs> you do, you do. All three of them have PhDs in physics from Cornell. Uh, and uh, so um, the title of Greg Graffin's dissertation was Evolution and Religion, Questioning the Beliefs of the World's <laughs> Eminent Evolutionists. <laughs> Appropriate for the lead singer in Bad of Religion. Bad Religion. And uh, he's taught at uh, UCLA and he's also taught at Cornell in, in addition to being the only consistent member of Bad Religion. Bad Religion. And he also co-wrote a book uh, called Anarchy Evolution, which was released the same day that Bad Religion released their 15th album. So uh, interesting. And he... And uh, Sorry, go ahead. One one more note about Bad Religion. The last time they played Austin was on Easter Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. So, so th that's number two. And number three, uh, for those of you who uh, enjoy early '80s West Coast pioneering pop punk, you might be familiar with an album by the Descendants called "Milo Goes to College." And indeed, Milo did go to college. Milo, Milo is Dr. Milo Ackerman, the lead singer of The Descendants, uh, who uh, has a doctorate in biology from UC San Diego and has done postdoc work at, uh, in molecular biology, again, at uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison. And he also has worked as a plant <coughs> researcher at DuPont and an adjunct professor at the University of Delaware. So he started, he, he joined uh, the Descendants in time to release their first album, which was called, in 1982, which was called Milo Goes to, College, Goes to College. Because by that point, Milo had decided he was going to leave the Descendants and go to college. And he got his biochem degree at UCSD, UC San Diego. And then he ended up leaving the band in 87 to, to pursue his academic career. And that's when the Descendants pretty much changed their name to All and released a bunch of cool albums uh, under the name All, including a great one called Breaking Things that came out in 93 or 94, which is one of my favorite uh, of that group's albums. Then he, uh, then he decided uh, he rejoined the Descendants in the 90s. Then he went back and forth doing molecular biology. And then in 2016, he said, I, I'm burnt out on biochemistry. I'm done. I'm going to go do punk rock some more. So, uh, and the Descendants are touring now with their original lineup and they're all, you know, uh, older much, but they were a pioneering pop punk band along with, you know, kind of following in the footsteps of the late seventies British bands like the Undertones and the Buzzcocks. Uh, but they kind of helped start it on the California punk rock scene. So there's three, Dr. Dexter Holland, Dr. Greg Graffin and Dr. Milo Ackerman, lead singers of Southern California punk rock bands, all of whom have PhDs and all of whom split their time between singing and uh, singing music of varying degrees of quality and, uh, and lecturing uh, at, in microbiology, uh, molecular biology uh, and, uh, and the like. So there you have it. Sweet. Nice. Great. I like let it. Me, like let it. me go next so I can then go do my Griffey call. And my, my list is not theme oriented like that. I, uh, it was funny. I had Ian Anderson on there because I had to, uh, I figured you, I figured you would go with Skunk Baxter, of course, cause that's the most obvious one. He what, is a missile defense 
specialist for the Department of Defense. Yep. And uh, but I I had Ian Anderson on my list, but uh, I have uh, Art Garfunkel who went and got a master's degree in mathematics and was a math teacher after, after they had released Bridge Over Troubled Water. I mean, so that, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a make do. I have to have a job. I mean, it, it, you know, that was a, that was a disciplinary pursuit, you know, uh, anyway, so I got him, uh, and, uh, I got, I got another one, uh, uh, John Teachy, guitar player for uh, Commander Cody, and, uh, was in the band with Bill Kirchin and those guys during their arena phase. And uh, he is the head of – he was a, a professor at Polytechnic Institute. He was the head of the Department of, of uh, Aerospace and Nuclear Engineering. <laughs> You know, you know, little light, light fluff glasses like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. and uh, I had that and Ian Anderson and and um, Skunk Baxter, and then you know that there's other stuff that I didn't quite view the same thing. Although uh, you're you're a fan of Devo, aren't you, uh, Jim? Yeah, sure. Their their original drummer, uh, I mean, up until when they were, I mean, they were already a big deal. Was still working as a certified licensed electrician. I mean, it was, you know, so uh, I was trying to things that are just jobs that you could fall into like that. But I, I still thought that was kind of interesting, and and uh, you know, guys that could have been that, that could have been playing music all the time, and and instead were doing something else, and that wasn't always about, you know, money or it was just, you know, they didn't want to be musicians a hundred percent of the time. Cause well, it's not really all that much fun when you do it like that. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. But uh, what about you, Buff? Patrick's not here. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go and do my grip call. I'll be back in a couple minutes. This won't take long. Well, yeah, I was going to do mine last, but, uh, Patrick disappeared. Uh, that'll happen. So I, I did a twist on it simply because I couldn't, um, really think of any, you know, just maybe one or two like that. So I I sort of did a twist, um, uh, I listed five famous actors who are also working musicians, good musicians, uh, that is not not the cornball stuff like William Shatner or John Travolta, but good musicians. There's Patrick now. Um, so anyway, I uh, like I said, uh, Patrick already started on mine. Oh, doggone it! You get to go last. You go but, ahead. Yeah, like I said, it's the. Uh, I twisted it and said good musicians, uh, I mean, musicians who have, uh, no, 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 I said that wrong. I listed five famous actors who are also musicians. Uh, And that means good musicians as opposed to William Shatner, John Travolta, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you wouldn't think they were, but number five is Johnny Depp. 
He gets a lot of flack because he, but he's very serious about his guitar play and his music. Uh, he's close friends with the great Keith Richards, who's taught him a lot over the years. Check him out as a member of the Hollywood Vampires with Alice Cooper and Joe Perry. They've recorded two really good albums, and they do originals and covers. A lot of covers, everything from The Doors to David Bowie. And Johnny Depp really nails the vocal on uh, David Bowie's Heroes. I saw that's a great video. Uh, my number four is Kevin Bacon and his brother, Michael, who've been performing for years as the Bacon Brothers. They're they're pretty doggone good. Check out the official video for the funky tune called Play on YouTube. And you can hear it at the end of this podcast because that's set up to be the tune I'm playing. I, thought, I was really surprised by how good it is. Uh, number three is a guy I first encountered on, uh, I, don't, I don't remember, if it was, I think it was Mad TV, I'm not sure, or maybe it was Fridays. It's one of those late night things. It's Jamie Foxx, a uh, really good comedic oh, yeah. actor, right. serious yeah. actor and singer, Oscar winner, and also a Grammy winners for singer-songwriter with four albums to his credit, all of which charted in the Billboard uh, magazine his 2005 album unpredictable went to number one so he's got it going on and of course when he did ray charles and uh, played ray charles he, he sang the songs himself a really good movie number two uh, i just recently found out after getting uh, watching yellowstone uh, I, somebody told me asked me have you heard kevin costner's band and i said well band what so I went over and checked out his band, Kevin Costner in Modern West. As a very surprisingly good vocalist and songwriter. Really good stuff, man. Kevin Costner. You know I gotta put number one because actually because I've got, I'm connected in different ways with the guy, but Billy Bob Thornton, he uh recorded four solo albums before forming the Box Masters. And they've released 10 albums with at least four more in the can ready to be released. Billy goes by the name Bud Thornton uh, in the box matters, but Bud and J.D. Andrew are prolific songwriters. They wrote some really good stuff in their latest album. It's called Light Race. And they're one of our sponsors for this program. So thank you guys. And uh, that's not why I put him on the list. I just put him on the list because... He needs to be on the list. Yeah. Well, with that that being said, let's see what uh, Patrick comes up with on this. That was good stuff, Buff. Well, Excellent. a few a few, few few years ago, my uh, my son was home from school uh, for the summer, and I said, "Hey, let's go out to Big Bend National Park. It's only eight hours away." So uh, we hit the road, and uh, most of the time we were out that way. We were based in Alpine. Texas, which is merely a two-hour drive from Big Bend National Park, and uh, and we just took day, day trips to the park. We did not stay in the park, but Alpine, Texas, is a, a small city of about uh, 30,000 people, home of Sol Ross University, and we were staying at a Comfort Inn or Sundance thing, and it was a Friday afternoon, about five o'clock, about quitting time, and 
there was an old boy sitting in the bed of his pickup truck in the parking lot of the hotel. The pickup truck, of course, was backed in to the parking space because that's what you do. And the door panel of the truck said, Isbel Construction. And I thought, well, everybody needs a side hustle. So started talking to the guy. I said, you know, there's some, some question about how Isbel is pronounced. And Isbel says Isbel. And I said, hey, man, how do you pronounce the name on your truck? And he said, Isabel. I said, well, wow, okay. Because there's this famous musician named Jason Isbel. And he says, Isbel, just curious. By the way, where are you out of? And he said, I'm out of San Saba. It's not far. It's only about five hours. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, so far as I know, Jason Isbell does not have a construction business, but he is an actor. He is in uh, the newest Martin Scorsese movie that uh, he's making right now. And in addition to that, I would I would argue that uh, Isbell has also raised Twitter to an art form equal to the music that he makes. His Twitter is just gold absolutely gold so he's an actor he's a great twitterer twitterer and he's a fantastic fantastic museum speaking of acting steve orrell has done uh, a bit of that himself he he said uh, in an interview i read a few years ago that when he was young and pretty he was approached to do some acting gigs and he just said no and then when david simon <clears throat> who made the wire most notably was making treme he was looking to cast someone who could play a musician who was a recovering heroin addict. And Steve Earle said, I can do that. <laughs> that's not acting. That. That's behaving. I can right, do that right. really, really right. well. So yeah. So yeah, he's in, uh, he's in uh, Tremaine as this uh, street musician in New Orleans. And in addition to that, he's written a book of short stories, a signed copy of which I have. And in addition to that, he has staged or was about to stage a play that he wrote about uh, coal, coal country in Harlan County, Kentucky. If, if I remember correctly, and I didn't look this up before we went live, I believe he was just about to stage it before the Rona shut everything down, including Broadway. But you can look for that. And there's who, also... Who are we talking about? Steve Earle. Okay. In addition, in addition to that, um, uh, David Byrne is also a visual artist of some renown or scorn. I remember he was on the old David Letterman show years and years ago, and Letterman was like, he was just being archly ironic, and he said, so this is some of your art, huh? He was being really, really derisive. But, uh, and uh, most surprising thing that I could come up with the the least anticipated side hustle to me is obviously bob dylan and his metal work you know the 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 nobel laureate songwriter is a welder go figure but anyway he is and he really loves it and uh i don't know if he sells his pieces but i would make room for one of uh, bob dylan's metal works in our house to be sure my last is not surprising at all because the fields that he worked in, aside from music, uh, are are related. And I'm speaking of Les Paul, who basically more or less invented multi-track recording and kind of, but not really, invented the solid body guitar. Uh, a renowned guitar player, 
and musician, especially with his wife, Mary Ford, but his most lasting legacy uh, was in the studio and in, in making hardware. I mean, he was, he was a more than half like a electrical engineer, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with the, yeah. with the pick, with the designing of the pickups and electronics. So they, they would play without just being noisy and right. Yeah. No, yeah. That's a, that's a good choice, man. Right. Because, uh, you know, before that, there were obviously electric guitars before the Les Paul, but they were hollow bodies or semi hollow bodies. Right. And they eventually had to chamber them so that they wouldn't feed back so much. Right. right. So, so anyway, yeah, that was, that was my little thought exercise. I just kind of like let the topic bang around in my head and came up with whatever I came up with. So that's yeah. it. I'm all in. The, the bits right. uh, I heard, man, it's a good list. Did you, yeah. did you go yet, Buff? Yeah, I went before. Yes, Pat. he did. Okay. Yeah. Well, I had my Griffey visit. It was really short today because he had McDonald's and did not want to talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. Well, everybody uh, did a great job. It's uh, greatly appreciated. And this is going to go down as our shortest. Uh... I was fixing to say, man. Hell, we're running under an hour. Oh, wow. Well, that's well, never that's happened okay. before. That's okay. That's right. cause, you know, we probably won't lose people as much as we have in the past. I believe, I believe people listen to the first hour or so and they go, wait a minute, this is too much. That's, that's how I usually do it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to do next week the one that I wanted to do this week until Billy said he wanted to do that. Yeah, I hijacked it. Go ahead. Anyway, it's okay. Uh, the uh, You're going to list the uh, five uh, best Graham Parsons performances with solo or with various bands yeah we're talking records or yeah live sh- okay uh, uh, yeah, yeah we're we're all probably gonna have the same five well i don't know uh there's a uh, man i i predict you, significant overlap as mm-hmm. as you know man nobody's a bigger fan of his than mine but you can get deep down in his you know, legacy of recorded work and a lot of that shit is not very good. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, you know, I just, I went to look up uh, on Facebook, my old buddy, Paul Surratt, who was in the uh, shallows with uh, Graham. And uh, I used to talk to him quite often. I hadn't talked to him in about a year. So I go on Facebook to look it up and found out that he had passed away a few months ago. And I hate that because I didn't even get to say, you know, goodbye or anything. Right. He, uh, he uh, when I was doing the Greenville Auditorium book called The Brown Box, he gave me all these photos and uh, pictures of posters of uh, folk music at the auditorium, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and all that kind of stuff. And he talked a good bit about Graham. Um, because oddly enough, the way he found out about Graham was they, they had a hoot nanny at greenville auditorium and they brought in this upcoming young star to judge the talent contest it was graham just god he must have been 18 or 19 and then the solos played as a three-piece and he not only picked him as a winner he asked if he could join their group so we did and there's an album out called uh, graham parsons the early years or something like that. And it's those recordings 
is they did gathered around a microphone in the studio at Bob Jones University. <laughs> and uh, they just stood around the mic and sang and played. I mean, it's interesting as a document, but it's like, it's not something that you just play for for the fun of it, you know? It's the same same way, like Billy said, with some of the uh, some of the stuff that goes real deep or whatever. But on the other hand, some of the solo stuff and some of the oh man, some of it's some of it's great and really well put together. You know, just yeah. I, I know that after he died, the record companies dumped a lot of stuff that were probably never intended to have been finished tracks anyway. They sound like demos, or you know, they were only partially produced and some of them don't even sound like they have arrangements on i'm thinking specifically of uh that uh cut he did of uh uh leave it was a Vern gosden song called break my mind and i have that on a compilation record of uh graham parsons and good god man i mean that it's that's so damn bad. It's like cringeworthy, man. I mean, you're just like, oh, Jesus. I can't, be I can't believe that this, that this got through any kind of, you know, filter vetting screen to, to make it into print, you know. But I don't know. There's probably people out there that think it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not one of those people. Anyway. All right. So we're so, talking, okay. we're so talking about Graham. Oh, hey, once we're done recording, leave the, leave the feed up for just a second. I want to ask Jim one thing before we're done. Okay, good, good, good. I will. Uh, All right, man. Are we done? What are we going out yeah. with this week? Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I got to look at it and see. I had... Uh, I know uh, you usually pick these things several weeks in advance. <laughs> no, nah, the day of, the day of, uh, like this morning. Anyway, I don't remember the name of it, but it's it's the song I was talking about earlier by the Bacon Brothers. Okay. Uh, it's it's really pretty cool, and uh, we're gonna play that. Oh, and let we'll, it rip, man! Yeah, we'll see. Uh, as Marshall Chapman says, "Let her rip, tater chip." Yep. But, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks a bunch, and uh, we're out.
That's the Bacon Brothers, Kevin and his brother, and uh, song, uh, really, really rocking little funky tune there called Play. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, good stuff. Well, that does uh, wrap it up for today. We want to thank our, want to thank our sponsors as always: uh, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken, uh, the best chicken man uh, raised on family farms. And uh, there's none of the junk in it. It's just uh, healthy, healthy chicken. If you're going to eat chicken, get this chicken because it's healthy. No, no kidding. Uh, Springer Mountain Chicken. Just go to springermountain.com, springermtn.com, and you can even have it delivered to your doorstep. No kidding. The program is also brought to you by the Box Masters. A rocking band that just started a tour. Hopefully they'll be in your area. And if they are, you gotta go. You just gotta go. And they're promoting the latest album, Light Rays. And it's getting rave reviews coast to coast and around the world. In my opinion, it's the band's best album ever. The album is available on CD, vinyl, or download. So head over to theboxmasters.com. Check them out. And we will see you again, hopefully, uh, next week on the Kudzu Radio Hour. Thanks for listening, folks. Please help spread the word by sharing the link on your social media and, uh, and to friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks. We're out.